The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, good morning. It's great to be here with you, whether you're joining us in the chapel, you're here in the room, or you are um, joining us online this morning. It is great to be together, and we're going to wrap up our Psalm 23 series this morning. And you might be thinking, how can we talk about Psalm 23 one more time? I mean, we've been in Psalm, Psalm 23 for quite a while, and let me encourage you not to get, like, tired of God's Word. That's like important. So no, um, it is great. I'm, I'm glad to wrap this up this morning. Um, God has, has really shared some, some specific things with us, some very clear encouragements in this time. Um, our series coming up is our one more series. We're going to start that coming next week. And this series really is based upon the idea of reaching others, reaching out and reaching within. Oftentimes we think to reach people, we think, man, we need to reach our neighbors and we need to reach our community. Absolutely, yes. I, I completely affirm that. But also, I would encourage us to reach within the walls of the church. Maybe there's somebody here that needs your encouragement today. Maybe there's somebody here that you could um, uh, join in relationship with. Maybe there's somebody here that you would love to connect with who's facing something similar to what you are facing. And so we're excited to start that series next week. And we're going to jump into Psalm 23, but it is a beautiful description of a life surrendered and trusting God. It is, it is a beautiful and comforting reminder of what things look like when we are dependent upon the Lord of the universe. And let me encourage you today that God is offering these things every day as described, and we have an opportunity to simply respond and say, God, I, I, I relent. God, I surrender. But we need this reminder because our sin nature fights against the truths that we find and the truths that are revealed to us through our sin nature. We, we fight against those things. We, we hesitate. And so we need to kind of battle within our worldly inclinations, our automatic reactions, and surrender to God on a regular basis. But before we jump into it, I'd love to take a moment to pray. I'd love a, to take a moment to um, just center our hearts on what God has for us today. Lord, 
We are here collectively as a group of people, not that has everything figured out, not that, not Lord, that we have all the answers, but we're a group of people that are collectively crying our need for you, saying, God, we trust you. God, we rely upon you. Lord, speak to us clearly this morning. Lord, I also want to take a moment and to pray for all those affected by the horrific uh, wildfires in Maui right now. Jesus, we pray that you would protect people that are in severe danger. Lord, we pray that first responders would be given energy and um, a renewed vigor for fighting this fight. Jesus, would you bring relief quickly? Lord, we pray that, that resources would be found and, and, and powerful things would be done in order to rescue a hurting people, Lord. Our heart is with them, and we know you are with them, Lord. Empower the believers and those that are serving so faithfully fighting this tragedy in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, our hearts are with everyone in Maui, and there'll be more information in the weeks to come about how we can help them. Um, Definitely tragic. But as we jump into Psalm 23, I want to kind of dive into this, and we're going to read a verse, and then I've actually kind of put together the opposite of what we're stating in the verse. So we're going to read one verse, and then we're going to look at really what the inclination of our heart is. We're going to look at what our automatic response is. If we're not surrendered to God, what does our heart look like in comparison with these truths? So I want to jump right into Psalm 23. Let's take a a look. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. But my heart can lust for anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I think I know how to find peace without God. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. But I often live my life to honor and fulfill myself. Even though I walk through the valley, excuse me, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. But ultimately, I can face hardships all on my own. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, but I know best, and Lord, I don't, I don't want your correction. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, but we're inclined to say, I will fight anyone and anything to protect myself and to protect my interests. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, but we live our lives thinking we can earn our own blessings. In verse 6, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But often, our immediate pleasure and success, we believe, is the path to the good life. We remember Psalm 23. We, we focus on Psalm 23. It is one of the most famous passages of scriptures because we need to be reminded of this on a regular basis. Each verse is a powerful reminder to refute our inclination and our automatic reactions. I'd encourage you to memorize it. I'd encourage you to, 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 to recite this verse when you are finding yourself struggling against the difficulties of life, struggling as you're suffering, right? It's a re- there's a reason why this is so famous, and we rely upon this, right? And as we look to, to focus on the Lord, and as we focus on the truths, we're reminded, okay, we can rely on God, but that's because most of life 
has let us down, right? We know what it's like to put our faith in something, our trust in something, and uh, to let us down. Well, honestly, I want us to take a moment and talk about at least my beloved. I don't know if I would say our beloved, but my beloved Seattle Mariners. Now, I've been a Mariners fan since a very young age. And you know what, as a Mariners fan, you know what I understand? I understand being let down. I understand being let down. I understand being disappointed. And the fact that in 2023, nearly 30 years after this moment, this is still the biggest moment in Mariners history, right? This is the double that Edgar Martinez hit. And we see Junior rounding to score, and it's this incredible moment. I I remember being a young kid and cheering with my dad and cheering with my friends in our, TV, or in, in our living room in front of our TV, right? But I put my faith in the Mariners too many times to be let down. I mean, they were just on an eight-game winning streak. And then last night, I, this is only for baseball fans, so humor me for a second if you're not a baseball fan. But last night, we honor Felix Hernandez, the best right-handed pitcher the Mariners have ever seen. And uh, we induct him into the Mariners Hall of Fame. And what do the Mariners do in classic Mariner fashion? We score zero runs. And George Kirby throws a beautiful game and he loses one nothing. Right? This is, this is like, I know what it's like to be let down. What are the things in your life that you are let down by? And, and I don't want to say that, that the Mariners are an example of why we shouldn't trust the Lord. But don't we, technic, don't we often look at the things that let us down in life and we go, well, this will let us down. That will let us down. I mean, isn't God going to let me down? You may not say that, but oftentimes we struggle to place our trust in the Lord because we struggle to trust anything. We, we have so much experience with being let down. But let me encourage you today, if you want to, like if you're saying, Danny, I trust in the Lord. I know he is good. Here's a good litmus test for you. Are you a person, if you trust God, are you a person who is full of hope? Because I think it would be difficult to trust in God and to be without hope. If you're lacking in hope, you are lacking in trust. If you're lacking in hope, you're lacking in trust because when we depend upon God, we say, okay, God's in control. What we are saying is, in spite of what we experience, if right now is difficult, we know that ultimately God is good. We know that ultimately he's in control. We know that ultimately, you know, we we saw him win on the cross and we know eternity is his. But if we are a trusting people, we are hopeful people because God gives us every reason to hope in him and trust in him. But if you're struggling with trust, you're probably struggling with hope. Saying, Lord, I I don't see how this is gonna work. You know, you you see life kind of stack up against you, your circumstances stack up against you, and you go, what's the point anyways? I mean, I just gotta kind of batten down the hatches and just survive. But let me encourage you today that God is calling us to hope. But the beautiful part is we have Psalm 23 as an example of, of so many different ways that we can trust in God. And that is what David is telling us over and over again, that a good sheep trusts a good shepherd. 
But if we look in other places, this is a beautiful part of, of the scriptures. We have, we have instances from David all over the place. I love what he says in Psalm, Psalm 40. He says this, Oh, the joy of those who trust in the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud, or those who worship idols. I also love what we see in the book of Isaiah. It says this, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord is the eternal rock. Or I love what God says through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. That's kind of a, a graphic picture, right? I love that. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in a barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. But... Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. When we trust in the Lord, the response is hope. We have the opportunity to hope because we have the opportunity to trust in God. He is so good, He is so faithful. But how often do we remind ourselves of those things? See, David is wise to compare us to sheep, and we don't need to get into kind of, um, you know, a, a deep thinking or an explanation of sheep, but sheep aren't overly intelligent. A sheep gets sustenance, gets everything they need when they rely upon the shepherd. The strength of the sheep is not within themselves. They can't protect themselves. The strength of the sheep is their dependence upon a shepherd. Right? But isn't it funny? Like David uses the picture of a sheep. And when you think about a sheep, you don't think that sheep have a lot going on in their minds. They're not wondering like, oh man, should I really trust this shepherd? Should I really depend upon the shepherd? They just... Listen, they just do. And I love this kind of just simplistic obedience, this, these simplistic steps of taking direction from the shepherd. Because it would be very unwise for a sheep to sit back and go, you know what? This shepherd doesn't really know what he's doing. This shepherd needs to think a little more like a sheep. Now, we don't often tell God that, you know, Lord, if... if uh, you just thought like me a little bit more. I think your plan would work out a little bit better. But isn't that the way our hearts respond often to the struggles of life, to the things we face? We're saying, oh, God, I don't see it, but I, I, I don't even know what's going on, Lord. I, Lord, I, my heart's overwhelmed by what I'm encountering, but I guess I'll, I, I don't know, I'll trust in you, but I'm really going to complain the whole time. Sheep have an opportunity to find strength and comfort when they trust the shepherd. The hard part, again, is we think of trusting God, and then we think of other examples of things we trust in that fail us. It would be foolish, though, to look at the world and see brokenness and go, okay, is, can I trust God? Because I can't trust that person. Can I trust God? Because I can't trust my family. I can't trust my spouse. I can't trust my boss. Can I trust God? 
But that's often our response. We feel like we can't trust a lot, and then it's even hard to trust God. What are some practical examples of things in our life that are dangerous to put our trust in? And we can go through a bunch of things, but my wife and I were talking about this yesterday as we were driving. And um, something I rarely trust is when I use a public restroom and there's only a push button lock, not a deadbolt lock. Right? You go into a public restroom, maybe you're in a crowded restaurant, and you use the thumb lock. You're like, okay, I'm just going to check. Like, you open it up, and you check both sides. Okay. But then you're going through the process of the things you have to do, but you're kind of watching that door handle going, I don't know if I can trust that. Right? I don't want, you know, to have an interaction with somebody while things are going on. Now, let me just take a moment. I, I, this is a question I like to ask somebody. What would be worse? What is worse to you? Being in a public restroom and getting walked in on or walking in on someone else? I will tell you, a hundred times out of a hundred, I would much rather be walked in on than walk in on someone else. There is a Starbucks in Edmonds, Washington I still haven't been back to. Because I went, I was down there for a meeting, and I went to study, and I was going to order coffee, and I thought I'll use the restroom really quick. I knock, the door's unlocked. They had a deadbolt that, you know, that would say, like, occupied. That wasn't even engaged, and I knocked. And, you know, it wasn't PG-13 or any, but there was a very startling interaction between me and a woman. And I quickly, you know what I did? I didn't close the door and step back and go, you know what, let me explain myself when she's done. I hightailed it out of that Starbucks so fast. Had I ordered coffee, I I wouldn't have taken it. I was, like, I don't think I've been back since, right? Because we place our trust, and that's a silly example, but we place our trust in things all the time that we shouldn't. And then it makes us wonder if we should trust in the Lord. We understand placing our trust in things that fail us. And then... Sometimes we're surprised when we struggle to trust God. Why do we struggle to trust? Why do we not trust the Lord? Now, as I was kind of chewing on this question, you know, as Psalm 23 is is beckoning us to engage and trust the Lord and give so many wonderful examples of David's life all the way through to eternity, I was kind of chewing on, like, what are the reasons that we don't tend to trust the Lord? And I've come up with a couple things that I think are kind of core motivations that we have. But I'm not going to act like this is a comprehensive list. But these are three things I felt the Lord bringing to my heart. When I ask myself, why do we not trust the Lord? First one is this. It's because we want things now. We want things now. Wouldn't be a surprise to you for me to talk about how we are so dependent regularly on getting things immediately. Like there used to be a day you'd click on something in the internet and then you would like wait for that movie to load. Right now it's like if that, if I see that, you know, that like a color wheel of death or that scroll, I'm like, you know, I'm out, right? If I can't order something on Amazon and get it in two days, I don't even need it. We expect things now. And when we expect things now and we don't get it in our timing, one of the questions we ask ourselves is this, does God even care? 
Lord, I want this in my timing, but do you even care? I love what Paul says in Romans 5. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for all of us while we were still sinners. This means that we have lived lives in affront and opposition to God. We have broken his heart. We have sinned against him countless times. And before giving our lives to him, he still died for us. God was not waiting on us to act. God brought redemption into his own hands. He absolutely cares. Another question we'll ask ourselves when we're impatient is, where is God? I love what Peter says in his second letter. And this is a letter where he's, he's confronting a church and you actually see pastors who are using their money for, per, or using their, their influence for personal gain, whether that's financially or in relationships and, and what have you, doing a bunch of things. And Peter's calling them out. I love what he says here. Though, as everybody's waiting on eternity with Jesus, he says this, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some think. No, he is patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Can I encourage today? You don't really want things now. You want things in God's timing. His heart is for you. His will is for you. You want things in his timing. What's what's something else we struggle with when we are lacking trust? It's this. We want control. We like control. Control makes us feel comfortable. We want to know what we expect, we, or we want to know what to expect, right? We want to call our own shots. If you're applying for a job and they came and said, hey, we're going to pay you the money you want, and you just tell us what you want to do, I mean, that sounds like a great job, right? We want the agency, we want the ability to call our own shot. But here is the problem. When we live lives Uh, insisting on our own control, we start to ask questions that are detrimental, but we convince them, we convince ourselves like, oh, this is good. One of the questions we ask is, we start to say things like this, did God really say? We're faced with temptation. We're faced with sin that we're trying to, you know, whitewash and make it seem better than it is. We start to ask ourselves questions like, did God really say? We start hunting and pecking in Scripture going, okay, can I, can I justify what I'm doing here or there? And let me encourage you. You might be thinking of others that do that. Oh, I know this person. They always do that. But this is the condition of the human heart. Human beings have been saying this since the beginning of time. We see in Genesis 3, the serpent Asked the woman, he said, did God really say you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? It's that question. Did God God really say that? And and our culture's doing this in so many things right now going, okay, well, uh, did did God really say that? That kind of hurts my feelings. So God, you know, he's a loving God. Of course he wouldn't oppose me. Uh, Of course he wouldn't make me feel bad. We start to ask ourselves these questions to justify the things in life that we want to do. Another thing when we want control is we just want to do things on our own. We ask the question, can't I do this on my own? 
We want to do this without God, but we also want to do this without each other. Right? Getting back to the, the one more series coming, like we are called to do life together. But I'll tell you a common temptation in American Christianity is to do things on my own. I don't want to be a part of the church because, you know, the church is full of people like us. We're all imperfect and struggling, but God in his wisdom is calling us together and binding us no matter how diverse our backgrounds, our experiences are, our pain, our triumphs, whatever it is, God is drawing us together, uniting him, uniting us in him and transforming us and using us to transform the world. Right? You can't do this on, the, on, our, uh, on your own. Hebrews 10 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one, one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of the Lord, the day of his return is drawing near. God is calling you and I to bind ourselves together in community. And it's not perfect, but I, it kind of feels like that's part of his design. Someone here hurts you, guess what you are called to do? Forgive them. Be gracious with them. Confront them. Find reconciliation. You can't do life on your own. Third temptation Third issue when we're facing a lack of trust is we want God to do what we say. We're impatient, we want control, and we just want him to listen to us. I'll never pray, God, would you just listen to me? Would you just do what I say? I'm never going to say that. I say that to my kids all the time. But... My heart is inclined to live my life as though I'm asking this question. God, would you just do what I say? God, would you just listen? Would you, would you just, God, just follow my plan. It's a regular temptation, right? And, and part of the reasons we face this temptation is because we think, well, God, this doesn't look like it's good for me. Doesn't this work out for my good? And we take wonderful scriptures that are taken out of context, like Romans 5.8, that says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Not... As we often read it, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And we stop there. Oh, God's doing it for my good. How prideful and egotistical can we be because we expect God to just work everything out personally, like my life's gonna be perfect or I'm gonna doubt you're a good God. He has a greater purpose for you and I than a perfect life. But as we face an imperfect life and we face suffering, God is using every single one of those broken things to draw us to him. Let me tell you, you know, I, I talked a few weeks ago about, you know, you, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies and oftentimes we just want God to solve our problems, but we don't want God to come with us. 
You do not want the answer to your prayers. You do not want the healings that you're asking God for, the resolution for that, that, that you're praying for, if God, if his presence is not coming with it. You don't want the gifts of God without the giver. God is doing things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. We, we live in comparison. Oh, God, why aren't you doing this? I see you doing this for them, but you're not doing it for me. He is calling us to trust him even when it's hard to imagine what he has for us. Another temptation when we just want God to do what we tell him to Didn't God create this for me? I mean, in the scope of eternity, my life on earth is barely a blip on the radar. But yet, aren't we prone to just think it's all about us? Okay, Lord, like, I mean, in January 1st, 1985, Danny Butcher was born and the world was changed forever. Now, some of you are, descri- are, are surprised that I'm only 38 years old because I get that constantly, that people think I'm like 55 because um, of my glorious gray hair, but I am only 38 and a half. Um, but, you know, we just think that way. God, when I was born, man, you're lucky I showed up. God, have you ever seen anybody like me with my gifting, my ability, my talent before? We are barely a blip on the radar and we think this is all for us. I love what it says in Colossians 1. Or for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. I'm surprised too. That's awesome. That is pretty incredible. I say wow too. Yeah. But God, wouldn't you just do what I ask you to do? God, just agree with me. Just do what I say. Those are just signs that you don't actually trust the Lord. It's just evidence that we are far more about ourselves than we are about his purposes, his will. His goodness, right? We love to quote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who, who gives me strength. But you know we often misquote that in our practical exp- like expression in life, and it's more like I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. That verse is actually about suffering and endurance, not just like, man, can I, can I you know, when I'm doing the bench press, can I get to my 12th rep? No, don't, don't get me wrong. God blesses us in incredible ways to achieve things, and he is with us. But that is really about we can endure any suffering, any heartache, because God is with us. Not just he wants us to be successful. But man, that's just what our heart is inclined to do. We always want God to agree with us. I love what the late pastor Tim Keller said. This quote I'm reminded of on a regular basis. said this, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. If your God 
never contradicts you, if your God's never drawing you to conviction, if he's never drawing you to repentance, I wonder who you're worshiping. Because God is constantly revealing the things in our heart and life, the sin, the things that are surrendered, not to him. And he is calling us to give those to him. But we struggle with trust because other people have hurt us. We struggle with trust because we think we're so intelligent. And the point of this is not to tear anybody down point is to remind us our place. In a family, if a child thinks they're in charge, calamity will ensue. If we are children of God and we think we're in charge, get ready. The Lord is going to use some things in your life to remind you of your need for him on a regular basis. God is drawing us constantly to repentance. Let me even say this. This is something I've reminded myself in the last few years that I need to live a life of repentance regularly. He's not calling me to repent just when I gave my life to him or just when I have been confronted by my sinful ways and my broken heart but he's calling me to repentance on a regular basis. But if I'm not responding to that daily repentance, I'm going to miss those big times, those, those significant moments where he's drawing me and I've gotten used to saying no. I've gotten used to whitewashing my sin. So do you trust him today? Do I trust him today? Does he know my need before I even pray for it? Does he know what's going to happen tomorrow? Are a thousand days like one day and a day like a thousand days to him? Is he so much greater than I am Then I am called to trust him? And here's the danger with me just encouraging you to trust the Lord today. So we reflect on the scripture and we see that God is our good shepherd and we see that he is in control and we go, I want to trust. And that's not bad in and of itself, but we go, I want to surrender. I want to remember, Lord. I want to. I want to. And we sit in a room like this and we go, yeah, I feel like responding to that. But that's all we do. You know, yeah, it's... I should trust, the, I should trust God more, shouldn't I? And we say amen, and I'm saying we, and we walk out these doors, and we go right back to the things that we are facing, right back to the things that we are struggling through. We go right back to living a life without trust and without dependence upon him. Can we not merely say this morning, Lord, I want to trust you. What are we going to do with it? 
Let me encourage us today. Just like a sheep who trusts a good shepherd, a sheep who actually trusts their shepherd will do what the shepherd says. Don't, be, don't tell me this morning you trust God if you're not living a life of obedience. My main point this morning is this. Our obedience proves our trust. Because we think our trust is some like cognitive reality and we say, oh man, I, I, I get it, I really should. But are we living lives of obedience? Are we living lives of surrender? Now, the dangerous part is we think, okay, like we have to be perfect all the time. That's not my point because you are gonna be tempted to take the reins of your life back. You're gonna be tempted to put yourself on the throne of your life and remove God off the throne of your life. You're gonna be tempted to say, God, I, okay, give me, why don't you give me some time? I got it for a while, God. Why don't you take a nap? Why don't, God, you go on cruise control, right? We call, we call God our co-pilot. Like, we're not, God's not our co-pilot. God is the pilot and we're crying in the back, holding on to something, just hoping that we get to where he says we're gonna go. Oftentimes, just like, okay, God, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, uh, give me your opinion when you feel like it. We have to live a life where we're trusting him and depending him, depending upon him in a regular basis. Obedience is the key to unlocking the truths Psalm 23. A sheep who says they trust the shepherd but doesn't respond, that doesn't obey, doesn't trust the shepherd. When we say, yes, Lord, I, I, I want to do this, I want to do this. What does it actually look like when the rubber hits the road? We are saved by faith alone. But the lack of obedience communicates our lack of trust, our lack of dependence. Lord, I even sense in this moment that our hearts are trying to respond in a way like we always do. Like we want to just understand these truths you have for us, Lord. And just, we want to feel better that, that we agreed with this for a moment. And Lord, I, following you is a process. And there is grace in this room for imperfection because imperfection runs rampant in this room or online or in the chapel. But Lord, as you draw us this morning, Reveal to us the areas of our life where we don't trust you, where we don't depend on you.
where we don't give you control. Lord, we're not asking you to do what we want you to do. We're asking you to do what you want to do. In your name, amen. Now, we're not quite done yet. Our worship team is going to sing through a couple song, or through, through a song here and in the chapel. Your hosts are going to take it from here. But hang with me for a moment. I'll come back up and I'll pray for us and I'll invite you to stand and I'll invite you to respond. But as our worship team sings, I'd ask you to take a posture mentally and physically of, okay, Lord, I'm open, I'm listening. Where, where in my life are you calling me to trust you, Lord? Let's sing this morning.